hello and good evening and welcome to Slowpoke Sports. My name is Stephen Hodges, coming to you from the shadow of Cerro San Luis Obispo. This is the show where we talk about all sorts of sports, from Lompoc all the way up to San Luis Obispo County. Uh, not a lot of football going on this week, so I'm going to start out with a uh, quick message. Because if you're listening to this, uh, you're probably listening on either Thanksgiving or the night of thanks, uh, night before Thanksgiving when I'm recording, maybe the day after. Either way, probably in that neighborhood. Uh, my biggest advice for Thanksgiving uh, is not about the food. It, it's about the people. And that's kind of the challenge of Thanksgiving is navigating the people. Uh, the biggest piece of advice with that is... Do not critique anything that is either the turkey or turkey adjacent or main dish. A lot of people doing different things uh, this year. The biggest fights in my family, and I'm sure other families, uh, always come from either the cranberry sauce or the gravy or the turkey itself. Uh, those things tend to spiral out of control because it takes so much time to do the turkey that I uh, always just say it tastes great. You know, it, it's... It's the smart move uh, politically, and it makes the person that spent so much time working on the way too big bird uh, to you know feel good about themselves. Uh, the real answer: don't do turkey, right? Like just drill, drill down to it. If you're thinking about doing a turkey, a it's too late. B, uh, you're you're spending that entire time doing like it's a full day thing. You're not going to be able to do it quickly. Uh, it, if you do, it'll end up dry. So do something else. It's fine. This is a free country. Just do like Mexican food. Goes real quick. People love it. Taco night. Everyone can do their own thing. Not worrying about appeasing everyone. Fantastic idea for Thanksgiving. Uh, if you forgot to thaw the turkey, you can try and find a chicken, but like that's not close. So uh, try maybe do a stew. Stews go over amazing. Like th those are much easier than cooking a turkey too. Uh, something like chicken cacciatore, uh, something like that, you know, don't just accept turkey because, you know, oh, well, Ben Franklin thought it should be the national bird. Uh, that That's always my thing. I think turkey uh, itself is overblown, and I think Thanksgiving itself uh, has too much weight put on it. And it's just because it's the one holiday where it's like, you have to see these people. You, If you are not seeing people that you are likely to fight with, like, you're not having a real Thanksgiving. I won't be having a real Thanksgiving this year. I'm staying local and only having immediate family over. Uh, I'll be going to my girlfriend's family for the day itself. And I don't care about it. You know, I, I care about them. But, like, I'm just going to try and find a corner and hide with the dog. Like, I'm not going to be compelled to converse with any of them. That That's my goal. Uh, so, if you're traveling, safe travels to you. Take your time with it. Uh, there's no need to rush anything. Uh, Thanksgiving is not a rushing holiday. Do, do, that, that's something I also think gets lost in translation is that you need to be certain places, certain times, whatever. Show up when you want. If they get mad, that's on them. Live your life. Moving on. Uh, I did not watch a lot of football this weekend. did watch some. In fact, I watched the final game for the Pauly Mustangs. Pauly took on... Uh, NAU, the Lumberjacks, out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Uh, sure you've heard of them. Uh, so, you, officially, you look back at Cal Poly. They played the fifth toughest schedule in FCS. All of the FCS teams, I think it's like 120-ish of them. Poly played the fifth hardest. Uh, a lot of the teams that they played ended up in the FCS playoff. 
including South Dakota, Montana, Weber, uh, Weber didn't make it, uh, Montana State, UC Davis, uh, Portland State just missed, Sac State won the Big Sky. I mean, outside of a few of their games, all these teams are going to bowl games, in the case of Fresno State, or playoffs, or were people that were in competition for winning the Big Sky, like Weber State. There's not a lot of shame to be had in that. But there is, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, you know, 2-9, and nine, just as we planned. Like, no, they, they should have gotten at least three wins this season. Uh, that is kind of the watermark that, you know, talking to people not around the team in the sense of official team members, but people uh, around the team as far as people that watched a lot of the games or were involved. You know, three wins was probably where they should have been. Uh, they got a win against San Diego. Didn't get another win until Idaho State. Lost against Northern Arizona. Saw something that had never been done in poly history, though, which is kind of where we're at with the team is, hey, you know, can't make the playoff. May as well make historic memories happen. And that was Xavier Oliphant returning a kick, a uh, field goal for six points. The kick six. Uh, 109-yard return. Longest play in football history, regardless of level, because you can't get any more than... 109 yards off something officially only 100 yards because you don't measure the end zones in college uh, but his heels were right there he was barely in bounds ran it back the entire way the rest of the game not a lot to get too excited about touchdown for Lepi Lataimua who is a senior touchdown for Chubby Danu who's also a senior so it's great to see the seniors go out on that high note game ended on a Matt Shotwell t- uh, tackle also a senior Great poetic end to that career. Uh, last Shotwell brother to go through the program. Uh, hopefully there will be another generation of Shotwells and we can do it all over again. There always has to be a Shotwell at Spanos Field. Uh, hopefully with the field changing from grass to turf, that's going to stick around. But who knows? You know, I'm not going to pressure anyone to do anything. Uh, but generally a bummer of a season. You, you go back and look at the things that could have gone better, things that could have gone worse. And generally, the team, I think, came down to this. Uh, They were being coached to do something that the team was not recruited to do. Uh, The defense, defense was a whole different issue. But for the offense, uh, they are recruited to do something else, by and large. Outside of Spencer Brash and Chris Coleman and a handful of the other transfers, you know, Quentin Harrison didn't have a skill set to be a perimeter wide receiver in an up-tempo offense. Uh, that, that's just life in the big city, you know, that, that he, he has a route tree that's great at running vertical routes, but the breaks in those routes are not super snappy. He, you know, a lot of the routes that he runs best are five-step drops. You don't do a lot of five-step drops out of, uh, spread up-tempo offenses. Even if you're doing play action, a lot of times your play action is just that two-step and then you get the ball out of your hands quick, you know, for that three-step drop. You don't want to be hanging out in the pocket, especially this year. The, the pass pro could have been better, and it got better. It just never got perfect where we say, okay, now you can really bomb this out. You know, they, they could have gone to some more fade routes. They could have done a lot of things differently, but the, those things weren't there. And so for Coach Baldwin, I think his legacy begins this recruiting cycle, right? Like if you want to sit there and say, all right, uh, spring season we're wiping off because, hey – he didn't get a full session in uh, this last season. You know, you could say is his first official full season. And, you know, it 
didn't work because he had a spring season to deal with. All right, well, this next one's, you know, a standard year. He's got to get a recruiting class in. He's got to get a good spring session in. He's got to get these things installed. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the term rebuilding in college, you know. Uh, I, I think that there were certain packages that could have been implemented better. You look at that speed option. Didn't see it to the end of the year. You're taking over a triple option team. Why isn't some sort of RPO or speed option set uh, part of just day one? You know, hey, this isn't what we're going to do day 900, but this will get us through day 30 through 60. You know, that that is the kind of stuff that I think would have been interesting to see because it was run supremely well. Those option sets really did, did fantastic. Uh, the running back's going to be a huge bright spot going into next year. You know, I think if uh, C.J. Cole was around, this would have been a great year for him because uh, in the spring he was doing fantastic. And you compare him to guys like Leppy and Shuby, and, you know, C.J. Cole had underlying numbers. I was like, this dude's going to break out. Uh, unfortunately, he medically retired. But the next generation of running backs at, uh, at, at Pauley with Shakobi Harper, uh, Zion Hall, Sam Stewart, You've got three very dynamic running backs. You probably have your first down back with Jacoby Harper. Uh, you got your third down and fourth down back with Sam Stewart, who's going to be a big bowling ball. And you got Zion Hall, who's going to be that lightning bolt, going to be your long distance, you know, passing down kind of running back. Uh, those three mixing it up, you, you've got a really good dynamic running set. Get some linemen that can run block. I liked how Moab Wadden was a. Uh, blocking through the end of that last game maybe that's a sign for the future that things are going to get better on that front on the outside i think they need to get some more wide receivers than just chris coleman because uh spencer brash definitely later in the season had a case of one read and done one and done just hey if chris coleman's not open i'm going to force the ball to him or i'm going to take a sack or I'll, I'll, if it's a desperate situation, I'll use my feet, but that's not really what I'm there to do. It's kind of the impression that I got. Uh, and that's not how you be successful in those spread option sets. Uh, you've got to be able to get past that first read because sometimes the defense just is called right. Sometimes they just look across and say, no, this is what we're doing, and they got a better call than you did. So it doesn't matter how well you execute. Because the defense is in a better position to execute on the other side. You know, that's the problem with chess. Both players get to move the pieces. Uh, they, they've got to find that way to get past that hump. And there's plenty of time to do it. All of these things are fixable. The, the thing that I like about Spencer Brash, a quarterback, he has only intangible problems. And you can coach through those. And Coach Baldwin has shown he's coached at an amazing level. National championship level. He's going to get through that. So uh, these are all critiques. These are harsh critiques, but they're, they're the critiques that I think are suitable for the season that we saw. You know, I don't think that 2-9 and nine is an acceptable season for Cal Poly. I think that to get to that next level, these are the first steps. You know, I'd like to see some more linebackers, especially with Matt Shotwell gone. Uh, another defensive back. Uh, they need to dearly improve line, uh, line play. I'd like to see a little bit more threat from the – the D-line, especially with Aaron Cooper entering the transfer portal, there, there's going to need to be an extra threat up front in order to really get that defense in gear. You know, we gave them a lot of sl more slack than they probably deserved on the broadcast this year because uh, they were on the field a lot throughout the year. Basically, outside of the San Diego game, they were up against it. Next 10 weeks, they were up against it. Uh, and, you know, a good defense will find ways to overcome that. They weren't 
probably an average defense if they had a good offense behind them. They, they gave their offense uh, some chances to win. They also put the game out of distance at some point. So uh, that's going to happen. So Cal Poly just needs to get over it. Uh, you know, like I said, the problems with Spencer Brash are the, tan- the intangible problems. They can be coached out. He's got an amazing arm. He can throw uh, incredibly deep balls with accuracy. Pinpoint uh, some of these routes. But the problem is, you know, if his, he's not in sync with his wide receiver, those balls are just getting intercepted. There's one where his receiver cut off a, a hitch route at five yards. He threw the 10-yard hitch straight into a DB's hands, who was like, well, I, I'm here. Let, let's let's do this. You know, that, that's great. Thanks. I'll take that. Uh, that that's going to be what happens going forward is there's a lot of tangible talent on the field. Can they hit that gear shift and become a team that's going to compete for the Big Sky Conference? You know, everyone, I should say everyone, I've talked to people that talk about Cal Poly football and they're like, when were they ever good? And it's like, this used to be a team that was nationally ranked in the top five, you know? Back in the heady days of Kyle Shotwell and Ramsey Barden and Chris Gokong and all these great names that are now up on the walls. You know, Jordan Beck, back-to-back-to-back, Buck Buchanan winners and all that. You know, that's the expectation for Cal Poly football. We shouldn't be sitting here saying, well, this is this is what we got. We, you know, you get what you get on the Central Coast. That's not the expectation. Expectation is to go win. They're going to have a chance to rebuild this offseason, get back to it. Uh you know, that NAU game, they got run over. Running back ran for almost 300 yards, 280 against them. It's not suitable. That's not what a top five team in the nation will do. So hopefully, just a, just the symptom, not not the whole problem. Uh, moving on to football, uh, at Allen Hancock College uh, took on, uh, I believe, Long Beach as a makeup game uh, and ended up dropping that one to Long Beach. They finished 5-5. Five and five. Uh, they will not have a bowl game this year, uh, even though they are eligible for one. They lost 31-17. to 17. Uh, Mike McCoy had a really weird year out there. San Inez faithful, there's a lot of reason to be <laughs> excited about what Mike McCoy did. Uh, really representing well, you know, kind of being asked on to do a, a million different things, and he, he did it well. So, bummer way to end the year for the Hancock after really, you know, being in that top 18 most of the season uh, to fall towards the end there. Uh not, not the way you want to do it, uh, especially uh, considering, you know, great win against Bakersfield just the week before, having a short preparation against Long Beach. Things did not go their way. Uh, on the basketball side of things, that's where I was with Hancock, as at the Home Motors Tournament where Hancock went 2-1. and one. Uh, Things are going to get exciting. I, I think if you are a men's basketball fan on the Central Coast, you should find some ways to go watch a Hancock game this year. Uh I think defensively, uh, they're very stout. Bryce Craver does a great job at the point, making sure that there's no real way to pierce through. When he's on the court with Noah Holland and Amari Stroud, uh, he's got a backcourt that's really going to make sure that there's not a lot that's going to get through. Both those guys very lengthy, very tough to drive on. Uh, the problem has been uh, a lot of the pressure comes down to their shooting. Uh, they The Bulldogs are now on a two-game losing streak. They lost tonight to Cerritos. I just got back from a statting that game. I broadcast the Victor Valley and Fresno games. Against Victor Valley, like, Hancock just looked unbeatable. 
Victor Valley could not move the ball on the the Bulldogs. Victor Valley went on to be one and two in the tournament. Uh, Santa Barbara zero and three. But this was a pool play tournament, by the way. So if you're saying they're saying like, well, where'd they finish? Where'd they finish? Well, they finished two and one. They it's a tournament without a champion. You know, there, there's no champions in that tournament. Even though if there was, it'd be San Jose City College, who is three and zero. Devin I, Tyson I's brother, uh, coming to the coast and putting on another great showing. Uh, it's always great to see Devin I, and that team has taken some major steps. Uh, Devin I is a fantastic coach. Uh, you look at the difference between the game with Victor Valley and the game with Fresno. Uh, Hancock shot 22 of 64 against Fresno. Against Victor Valley? Well, let's take a look. Hancock shot 35 of 57. So 59% against Victor Valley. Against Fresno, 34%. That, that's a wild disparity for two games played in the same weekend. Uh, Fresno was not tougher defensively than Victor Valley in a lot of ways. A lot of times they ended up with wide-open threes, and they still shot only 37% from three-point range. Look at the second chance points in that Fresno game. Yeah, they had a lot more second chance points because they were missing a lot more baskets. Hancock rebounded phenomenally against Fresno, 47-33, to 33, but ended up dropping that one just because they – couldn't drop the shots. Even wide open shots were, were bouncing off and not sinking for them. So I think that's going to be the theme going forward is their defense is going to keep them in games. Can the offense uh, finish the job? Against Cerritos tonight, that, that was not the case. Cerritos, Cerritos had some other issues. There was some refereeing issues uh, towards the end of the game with how uh, penalties were charged, which penalties were charged. Uh, some real controversy towards the end of that one. I'm not big on critiquing referees, especially not in one of my main sports. I'll talk all day about critiquing referees in football, but when it comes to basketball, much tougher. There's a few uh, blocks and charges that could have gone the other way, especially late in the game. There are makeup calls that were pretty blatant being called because uh, you could hear the referees when you're working on the stats bench uh, discussing with one another about how things were going, and it, it was just a uh, tough game for the Bulldogs as a result. You know, they had the chances. They just didn't bounce back quite enough. And uh, you look at where they're at, you know, it was 69 to 75. It, it wasn't even, you know, it was closer than that. Really, it felt more like 69 to 72. Uh, but with the free throws and all that at the end of the game, things shift. But it's a one-score game until the last couple minutes. And that's where that disparity grew as the Bulldogs were forced to foul. Uh, and when you're not able to foul with some of your best players, Noel Holland uh, ended up with four fouls because one was charged on him that probably should have gone to, I think it was either Sean Kelly or, uh, I think it was Sean Kelly, Sean Kelly or Vondre Chase. Both of them had four fouls. They would have been DQ'd if that was the case, and that's kind of rewriting history. So uh, that that's a tough spot. Uh, it, it It's going to fall onto the guys like uh, Matt Solomon, who's a great shooter, uh, to make things happen there and make, make the, the gears kind of turn. Hancock's currently sitting at 500. I know that's got to be eating Coach I alive because he's a guy that has gotten, you know, over two-thirds of his games as wins uh, before COVID hit. So, you know, when you're talking 27, 29 win years, that's the expectation. Starting off 500 does not get you to that mark. They'll be continuing their play next Friday. Uh, at West Hills Lamore. Uh, I will not be at that game, nor will I be at the following one because I will have a wedding during that time uh, for 
uh, my girlfriend's family. Moving on to the football that I'm sure is much more compelling for you guys. I'll go ahead and tease you a little bit more. Why don't we look around the other brackets first to see kind of how everyone else is doing around the leagues uh, as CIF is winding down. CIF central section, not state. Don't think that you're going to state because you're going to the final. Saw someone tweet that. CIF central section finals, starting with D1. Uh, Liberty of Bakersfield, not Liberty of Madeira, Bakersfield. Uh, in Division One, they're, they're going to be playing Central in Fresno, and Central will be hosting that one. Number three seed Central versus number four seed Liberty in a 18 bracket goes to show even matchups. The one seed did not make it through. Buchanan dropped it to Liberty uh, in that second round, and the two seed San Joaquin Memorial dropped to Central earlier. I think that was a word the computer missed. That was one of those misses. I don't think San Joaquin Memorial was the two seed in that bracket, but Luckily, the, the three seed did not need to go far. Uh, in D2, the number one seed and number two seed will play each other. Bullard will be hosting Bakersfield. Bullard, the team that took out St. Joe. Bakersfield, the team that took out Mission Prep. Going to meet each other. That's kind of an interesting twist on it. Which team uh, had the better loss, I guess. But, you know, I think the answer to that is St. Joe. Because St. Joe lost on a two-point conversion. Mission Prep lost by more you know they lost by 12 but again that game the last touchdown didn't need to happen they could have taken any would have been fine uh moving to d3 uh central valley christian going to be hosting bakersfield christian uh in the holy bowl i think they call it uh between these private schools uh the number one seed versus the number seven seed uh number one seeds getting a much easier path because they're dealing with the very bottom of the bracket but as you can see, a lot of two and three seeds, four seeds didn't make it through. Uh, Bakersfield Christian was the team that beat Dinuba, that beat pa uh, Paso. Uh, CVC beat Washington Union, who beat Aurora Grande. So again, a little bit of intrigue as far as Central Coast is concerned of better losses, but now you're two degrees out. Uh, in D4, uh, the Pomo lost to Highland. Highland then lost to Mendota. Mendota, the number 13 seed, going to be playing the number 6 seed, Independence. Uh, Independence beat Roosevelt. Uh, and there's no local schools on that side of the bracket, so no need to go through that, those details in D4. That brings us to D5. You might recognize one of these teams. Liberty of Madeira, going to be on the road to Orchid to play Rigetti, the Warriors, hosting Liberty of Madeira. Again, do not confuse them with Bakersfield. Rigetti just coming over a big win over Ridgeview, 27-6. to uh, Ridgeview, the team that took out slow in the first week of these playoffs. So Rigetti getting a little vengeance for the Central Coast. This game's going to be played at 6 p.m. at Rigetti uh, this Friday. Black Friday, hopefully it's one to remember for Rigetti. Uh, historically, Black Friday, some of the best football. Some of the best football out there. I remember going down to Corona Del Mar uh, with uh, Charles Summer when we broadcasted the Black Friday game between Corona Del Mar and Lompoc. Fantastic game. Didn't go Lompoc's way, but still one of the best broadcasts I've ever been on. Uh, game was back and forth. Uh, Elliot Stern got called out, the editor for Santa Maria Times, and then that bit Charles right in the butt uh, later in that broadcast. So, uh, be sure to buy your tickets online. Uh, be sure to follow the rules and all of that that uh, Rigetti is going to be setting up. 
Uh, they're going to be playing for the D5 Championship. And then I, then I believe uh, CIF State might take a chance on some of these teams for a state bowl game. Uh, that's going to ring true again for Division 6, where Morro Bay overcame Pioneer Valley. 29-26, Morro Bay from the Ocean League taking out a Mountain League team uh, in playoff action. They had to roar back after Pioneer Valley's dominant run game was not able to put them completely to bed. And that's what you want to see in the playoffs. The teams that don't quit, the teams that come back, Morro Bay able to do it on their home field. And they will be going out to Taft. If you're not sure where Taft is, it's west of Bakersfield, uh, out there by Wasco and Shafter. Uh, you know, way kind of in the mil middle of the boonies. Out here, we always like to think of everything east of us as kind of a, a you know a blob. But there, you've got different freeways cutting things up. This is really a separate area than Bakersfield. I wouldn't even really call it Greater Bakersfield area outside of to refer to it in a greater sense. They're really their own culture out there. Uh, those small valley farmers, uh, th that that should be a fun one. Uh, Taft comes in six and four uh, to this game, six and four rather. And since we're starting preview, I mean the previews and the reviews are blending together just because it's that time of year. It's tough to to split this up. Why don't we start a preview of this Taft uh, Morrow Bay game? Taft wins, like Taft is in an interesting spot because they are like legit D6, right? Like this is a team that like, even if everything else went the other way, you look at their wins and you say, yeah, it's probably a D6 team. They beat Cal City, 55-0, beat Desert, 49-0. Both those teams consider some of the worst in central section, according to the computers. Lost to Foothill, which is a Bakersfield team, 8-6. Lost to Shafter, local rivalry. 34-13, beat McFarland, 42-0, uh, lost to Chavez in Delano, 12-17, beat Wasco, 32, or lost to Wasco, 32-14. Wasco, a team that ended up winning way too many games, ended up out of their depth, uh, but was a very strong team generally. Uh, and then you start getting into the games like uh, Arvid. Uh, let me see if this was a playoff game. No, they had a, Taft had a buy-in playoffs. Their first game was Lindsay. Uh, they beat Arvin in their final regular season game, 34-14. Lindsay, 26-14 to start out playoffs. Uh, then Woodlake, 49-13. So Lindsay and Woodlake, Lindsay is not that strong of a team, but Woodlake, pretty strong. They get some players out there. So Taft has not had an easy run of it in these playoffs, despite getting that bye. Uh, but a lot of their wins are against these smaller city schools, like Morro Bay. Morro Bay coming in at 6-6, six and six, they've played some really tough schools. Uh, you know, you look at your mission preps, you look at a lot of these other teams that are considered, you know, higher divisions. Uh, they didn't pull off a lot of those wins, but they, they do real well against small schools like Taft. So this is going to be a very evenly matched final. Typically, on the road like this, I'd say, oh, well, Morro Bay is going to have a tougher, but it's a day off. Day before, it's Thanksgiving. I think that's going to refocus Morro Bay. I think that home team advantage is going to be washed out. I've got Morro Bay winning this CIF Division Six championship. As far as state goes, I, I'm not sure how state redid their formula because it'd be a little silly to go all the way to D6 and say these are the bowl games. But if that happens, good, good for Morro Bay. Looking at the uh, Rigetti-Liberty game, Liberty, bigger school, so is Rigetti. This has kind of been the main 
critique of this system is that if you have a computer look at equal teams without looking at school population, well, the bigger schools will end up winning because they'll have tend to have the deeper rosters. Take a look at what happened with Napomo. Nate Reese got injured, kind of a shallow squad, didn't have enough to fuel them over the top of Highland, and ended up sput- sputtering out in playoffs. And with playoffs, you're not getting a second chance. So we, even though Napomo had other ways to move the ball, when you're relying on Nate Reese as heavily as Napomo was, well, that's that's what happens. But no, both Liberty out of Madeira, again, not Liberty Bakersfield. Liberty Bakersfield does not belong in D5 ever. Uh, but Liberty of Madeira, smaller school, but still about Rigetti's size, They their schedule was a lost Exeter. They beat Carruthers, lost to Templeton. So that should be a, a one that to kind of stick out. Uh, beat Woodlake, common opponent between Liberty and uh, Morrow Bay's opponent in Taft. Uh, lost to Roosevelt, beat Golden West 40-20. to Lost to Emmanuel from Reedley, 14 to 13. Lost to Kerman. Beat Chowchilla, 40-0. Beat Chavez, 27-0. Beat Emmanuel, 14-0. Beat Boron, 20-6. And now sit against Rigetti. Uh, the the Chavez, Emmanuel, and Boron games all on the playoffs. So Liberty comes into this game only allowing six points. Rigetti is going to have to score in this one. And has Rigetti been scoring recently? Well, through this playoff, Rigetti has not scored fewer than 27 points. Uh, they scored 27 against Ridgeview, scored 28 against the Tascadero. So if Rigetti can move the ball on Liberty, they should win. And so this is another like very close game. Uh, throughout the season, Rigetti struggled to score. Only scored 20 on Lompoc, 7 on Santa Barbara, 6 on Camarillo, 21 on St. Paul, 13 against the Pomo, 6 against Pioneer, or 20 against Pioneer Valley. Uh, so you start looking at that math and say, this is going to be a tough game for Rigetti if they can't move the ball. So really, that's going to be the key here. I've got Rigetti winning as well because this is a local sports podcast. What am I doing if I'm picking the home teams to lose? But seriously, Rigetti should come out on this one on top. Uh, that game, again, 6 p.m., Black Friday, Morro Bay's, 7 p.m., Black Friday, in Taft. Rigetti hosting Morro Bay on the road. That's the end of football this year. We'll have one more football episode here this next week. This has been Slowpoke Sports. Thank you so much for listening. We're hoping for some great conclusions here. We're hoping that there's going to be some big... Uh, fireworks then this year, especially after kind of a weird year it's been. If you want to catch me, well, I'm not broadcasting right now outside of Hancock basketball. Won't be back on the basketball calls until they get to conference, which is in the new year. Uh, So you can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. Until next time, you can find me at Slowpoke Sports on Twitter, S-L-O-P-O-C-S-P-O-S-P-O-R-T-S. There we go. Forgot how to spell my own Twitter handle for a second. It all works out, though. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, Thank you, Charles and Brian, uh, for letting me have the flexibility to broadcast when I'm off work, which is when Brian is working and Charles is asleep because he's in Wisconsin. So uh, keep in touch with everyone around you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Slowpoke Sports.